Welcome to Voices from the Street, the radio ministry of the Sacramento Union Gospel Mission. Prepare your heart for laughter and tears as we share the unpolished stories of the homeless and hurting, hope and transformation. Here is your host, director of the Union Gospel Mission, Pastor Tim Lane. Well, I am glad you guys joined us today. I guess if I had a question for everybody out there today, it would be, has there ever been anything in your life that scared you? Has there ever been a time that you were undecided, or was there ever a time when you felt like you were not prepared for something? And I think we all run into those things. We have times that we start a new job, or we go to a new church, or we we have some apprehension, we don't quite feel we fit somewhere. And in reality, those are fears that are mostly brought up out of our own, the machinations of our own heart. But I guess one of the things that I wanted to talk to us about today, I don't have a guest today, I'm going to have somebody on next week that's uh, graduated the program, I'm looking forward to talking to him. When he came to the mission, uh, he certainly had no desire to know Jesus but he came, and he listened, and on one particular day, he found a church, and God, working on his heart, called him, and he answered that call. And he is now married and, and doing well in his church and all those type of things. And so I'm really looking forward to having him on my show. Well, it's not my show. It's a missions show. But I'm really looking forward to having him on, getting to talk to him, getting him to share a little bit about what it is that we do at the mission. And I guess that, you know, we have always said it's a drug and alcohol rehabilitation program, but really what it is, it's a it's an addiction transforming place or a transforming you from your addictions. We are God's vessel to do those things. We're not the ones that can give you salvation or even give you change because, first of all, all of that has to take place as God changes and awakens your heart to hear the word and to hear the gospel. But he has asked us and he's asked you too, if you are a believer, to be his hands and feet to the world to to be the voice that tells them using the scripture alone. As a matter of fact, that's what we've been working on diligently for this last year to try to transform our mission to an even better biblical model of what that looks like. And so there's always trepidation. There's always a little bit of concern about are we going the right way. The good thing is that myself, the staff, our chaplaincy, that they do this all in prayer and with great understanding of the Bible. Uh, most our chaplains uh, either have their Masters of Divinity, which can be uh, a sign that you know the Bible, or it depends on the seminary you go to, I suppose. Having said that, preparation is something that you need to do. We've been preparing. We're preparing the old building uh, moment by moment to be transformed into something that the homeless and our program guys can come in. It's safe. It's clean. It's all those things. And those of you that haven't taken a tour, come and let us show you what we've done. And then we're moving on to the next couple of phases of that. Um, 
One of the things that I wanted to talk to us about in that regard of preparation, about our own lives, I have uh, recently I had some medical issues that, you know, I thought might be a little more serious than they may have turned out to be. I I have to take a little, uh, a kind of an antibiotic. It's a little stronger than some, but it looks like that might take care of what's going on. But there were other things that popped into my mind that, uh, you know, are we prepared? And yes, I mean, I've done some of those preparatory things. I have a living trust. I have those type of things. But that's only one time of one thing of preparation. I started to think I want to really make sure that everything that needs to be thrown away in the house that I'm not using anymore is gone, that everything is neat and straight, all the paperwork's right, everything is together so that it would not be a burdensome or a troublesome thing to my family should something happen. And, of course, one of my great concerns is always the mission. You know, in the event that something happens to me, will the mission be okay? Well, in a way, uh, that's probably a little bit of lack of faith because God will always bring the right person at the right time. I couldn't really see 18 years ago why he would bring me there, but he did, and God prepares those that he brings for service. And in that service, of course, I've been blessed a thousandfold uh, amazingly. And so as I thought about it, I thought about how many times in the world people are trying to prepare for all kinds of things and leaving the very most important thing that you can possibly do, and leaving that to the end. And sometimes they miss the end. The most important thing in all of your life will be that you come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, that you fall in love with the Savior, that you give your life and your, as our founding fathers, our sacred honor, (laughs) and that we have come to know that we are saved. That is the first thing that all of us need to do. Until you have come to grips with your walk with Christ, you are not not prepared no matter how much of those physical things that you have done behind the scenes. And so I know for myself that that's been taken care of. God reached down and touched me and brought me into the kingdom of God Have I been perfect? No, (laughs) I have been far from perfect. But God never called me to be perfect. God called me and will make me eventually perfect as he calls me home someday. And then once you are secure in the arms of the Lord, you can go about doing all those other things, getting, you know, particularly when my family was young. I made sure that I had enough life insurance that when I— I, I did commercial air conditioning, and I owned a company, and I wanted to make sure that they were covered uh, if something happened to me, that my wife would be able to take care of the kids and those type of things. And certainly those things are important, but again, they're not the most important thing in our lives. You know, it is, it is something that we need to grapple with and we need to look at every day of our lives. Are we walking as we should? And 
Have I got my priorities right? Have I made idols of things that should never have been made into idols? Knowing that that God is always with us if we are believers. So, you know, I am reminded of the rich young ruler who came to Jesus and wanted to know what he could do to be saved. And, well, Jesus told him, you, you know the law, you know what it says. And this is paraphrased, by the way. And he said, well, yeah, all these things I've done since I my youth, you know, he's self-justifying and he's gotten all these priorities in his life. But when Jesus touched upon the one thing that he coveted most and made an idol out of his money, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor and then come and follow me. He never realized that what Jesus was trying to do was break down the strongholds. He wasn't trying to break them down, but he was giving him the idea of what needed to be broken down, the walls that surrounded his heart that surrounded this rich young man's own little kingdom that he had built for himself and placed himself on the throne. And so it was very simple. Go sell everything you have and give it to the poor, then come and follow me. You say, wow, but everything I own? Well, Jesus wants our hearts to be there. Sell everything you have and come and follow me. But he doesn't require that those things be taken away from us. There are times, there are instances, if they become too big a stumbling block, God will often remove things from our lives. Then the other part of all of that is that we need to examine what the idols have become in our lives, but we also need not to be obsessed with finding those idols all the time. So we need to look around our little kingdoms and see what we've built up. Have we made an idol out of a wife or a husband, out of a house or uh, education? Have we made an idol out of our children? Have we made an idol out of our moms or our dads uh, or somebody that we really look up to? Because what God requires is that, that we abandon those idols Give our hearts and our minds and our souls to him and love him with all our heart. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God. And so the simplest of, of things to look at also becomes one of the hardest things for us to do because our hearts, even when we're trying to yield, often inside we're saying, but I want to hold on to this. I want to hold on to my specific little thing. I want to... I, I, I've gotten rid of, of the sins in my life, but this one little sin, that's, that's the one I covet. That's the one that I, I don't want God to look at. And so then we fail to prepare. We fair, fail to prepare first when we don't come to Christ, but then in Christ as believers, we fail to do all the preparatory work to live a life that is edifying, glorifying to God, and that is joyful and satisfying in our hearts. And we can look for the wrong motivations and things. We can look for things like, if I have a lot of money, then uh, I'll be happy. If I have a bigger house, I'll be happy. If I have a better job, I'll be happy. And the reality is, 
that God has to place the joy of your salvation in your heart before any of those can bring you any kind of satisfaction. That's why there are very poor people who are filled with joy, and there are very rich people who aren't, and vice versa. Don't misunderstand. Um, There are some very wealthy people that love God with all their heart, and so I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about the kingdoms we set up in our own hearts and our own lives. You know, prior to coming on the show today, I have, as I said, a guest coming next week, and I wanted to have one today, but we we just didn't have a, a guest to come last minute. So as I sat around here talking to a couple of the staff people here at the radio station, we were talking about the Bernie Madoff story that I guess came on TV the other night on one of the uh, Netflix or one of those type of things. And uh, they were talking about how much money that he had actually accumulated, and there was nothing to it. It was a big Ponzi scheme. And so I think that the end, and if I'm wrong about the amounts, it's I don't know exactly what it was, but it was something like $60 billion at the end. And at any time, this guy could have pulled, pulled out $100 million, closed up the whole thing, and probably never gotten caught. But no, he had to keep acquiring more and more and, and breaking people's futures, taking old people's pensions and everything that they had worked for and and. Uh, stealing it. Uh, you know, whether you steal it on paper or you steal it at a gunpoint, you're still stealing. And he essentially destroyed a lot of people's lives that were relying on those things. And for what purpose? $100 million, I'm pretty sure, is more money than most of us could ever spend in a lifetime if we bought everything that we even thought about wanting. But yet, The greed was driving him further and further. And how did that work out? His arrogance in everything that he did, even with the FCC, he just did what he wanted to do and felt like he was untouchable, I guess. And I saw him years ago walking down the corridor of a courthouse uh, when he was being tried And I was astounded to look at the older people particularly. There were younger people too, but especially older people that were in tears because they'd lost their whole life savings to him. And I didn't see one ounce of compassion or regret in his face. And that's because he had set up a kingdom that Bernie Madoff was in the middle of. And it ended even in tragedy with his family, with one son killing himself and the other son uh, getting leukemia and dying. And and uh, somebody was telling me that the one brother who got leukemia said that his father had had killed his older brother rapidly with suicide, and he was killing him slowly as he was sicker and sicker. And, you know... It's hard enough when you have leukemia, some kind of cancer, and you want to live and you want to fight on without having all the stigma that was thrown on this poor young man that he had nothing, no no idea that his dad was doing as far as I understand. So, again, I want to reflect back. Are we prepared in our lives to meet Jesus face to face? 
Have you come to the decision to know that, one, God is holy, he is sovereign, he is in control of all things, he is righteousness, whatever he says, whatever he does is wholly righteous, he is God. And we, as the sinners that we are, I know that's an unpopular thing to talk about, sin, huh? The sinners we are, all of us, it says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. also says that if any man says there is no sin in him, he makes God out to be a liar and the truth is not in him. So we know that we are all sinners and that we all stand before a holy, righteous judge who has already declared all those that are not righteous will not enter into the kingdom of God. Knowing that righteousness is unattainable by me, it's a hopeless situation. There is no escape. I was born into sin, and I have continued into sin, and so I have no hope. I have no redemption. But God, being God, is a God that is love, and part of his love is wrath, and he has declared that all those who sin against him will die, and it's an eternal death. So then we are in real trouble because none of us have, could have attained to the righteousness that he is talking about unless we were as righteous as his son is righteous. And he was perfect from the beginning, never sinned. So then comes the next part of that. What are we going to do? Well, we can't do anything. God's the one that has done the work. God sent his son to be the propitiation, to be the transplant for our sins, to be the replacement for our sins, to live a perfect, holy life, to walk as upright that no man has ever been able to walk, and thereby being able to satisfy the law by taking upon himself the sins of the world, your sins, my sins, all those that will believe, he takes those onto himself. And then nature abhors a vacuum, so after taking all our sins from us, he, he goes the next step. He places his righteousness on us so that the Father, when we stand before him, we are holy and we are righteous before him because of his son's sacrifice on the cross. And that's an amazing thing. And so now we know that God has, has paid that price. And how then can I be part of that redemptive plan? Well, there you go too. It's both easy and hard. It's that conundrum, right? It's easy in the respect that what we need to do is when our hearts are pricked and called by the Father, we need to yield our lives to God, to, to ask in repentance and faith for God to save us. And he said he will. And so that's, that's easy, I guess, excepting for those idols we talked about a little while ago. We have set up these huge kingdoms, and the walls of those kingdoms reject that, that 
faith and reject that repentance. And so our pride, our arrogance, our self-motivating kingdoms keep us from the real kingdom. But when we do, then God has taken away those sins. He has driven them as far as the east is from the west. And unlike this, us, he says he will remember them no more. And so we have a holy, righteous God, offended, and, and we have broken his law. We have been condemned to death. And so the penalty has to be paid. God has paid that penalty in the sacrifice of his son. And then we have entered into that, that forgiveness when we ourselves come before the throne of grace in repentance and faith. Remember that it's always really been that way, that Jesus was coming to pay that penalty for the saints that lived before us and those today, and that, that uh, he, with that perfect judgment, remember Abraham said that he believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. No one can come except by faith. And without faith, you can't come. You wouldn't even want to come, but it wouldn't make any difference. Because the Bible also says that if to believe in God to, is the first prerequisite. You have to believe he exists. If, if you are sitting somewhere and say, well, I'm going to say a few words. I'm going to walk down this path that somebody told me about in Romans. I'm going to do these things, but I don't know. Maybe he exists. Sorry, guys. It's not even close to being right. God will call you. When he does, you answer. So, as I said, as I drove along and I was looking at, uh, I was looking at my life as well, I knew that, that if nothing else, the biggest of all problems has been taken care of. A holy, righteous God that is love, but part of his love is wrath and, and the law, that he has paid that penalty for me, and now I can go on and, and have the joy of my salvation, and I can walk in this faith and repentance, and I can learn, and I can grow, and I can stumble, and I can fall, and I can do all those things, but knowing that I might get corrected by God because those he loves and has called, he chastises his children, but he's never going to reject me. He's never going to walk away from me. He's never going to say, I've had enough. I, he's, he's gone too far this time. I'm, I'm, with, I'm finished with him. He's never going to do that to me. And so the comfort is that whether we're alone or whether we're in a crowd, we're never, never alone. Whether we have lost someone we love or whatever the case is, God is always there with us. He is always love, loving us. And so I would, I would really ask all of you, if you're preparing for the end of your life, make sure the first place that you ever prepare is your walk with Christ. Make that secure because it's an eternal decision. Those who reject to the end, there is no hope. There is no second chance. So, as always, my dearest friends out there, 
Until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hand. You've been listening to Voices from the Street, the radio ministry of the Sacramento Union Gospel Mission. If your heart's been touched and you want to know more about the work of the mission, log on to ugmsac.com, ugmsac.com. To donate clothing, food, time, or financial help, call 916-447-3268, 916-447-3268. Thank you so much for listening. Join us again next week at the same time for Voices from the Street.